0: Coming up next, Real Israel Talk Radio, Program 21, Episode 77. Leviticus 19.18, as I read the statement in Hebrew, it appears from its grammatical and contextual construction, I am your source of love to or towards your neighbor, as like to or similar unto you. Shalom once again. This is Avi ben Mordechai, and this is Real Israel Talk Radio. Glad to have you with us today. On this episode of this program series on defining biblical love from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that is what we often call Paul's love chapter, I have tried to make it clear that there are two different kinds of wisdom that we must discern. That is, a wisdom from above and a wisdom from below. Interestingly, they mirror each other. Heaven's wisdom leads to redemption and eternal life, whereas Earth's wisdom leads to sin and death there is no shortage of earthly man-made wisdom from below. It seems everyone wants to be a counselor or a judge or someone that just seems to know a lot of stuff and then looks long and hard for an audience to hear their ideas. Now, Jehovah's wisdom from above is not looking for an audience in order to make himself feel good as though he were some kind of a sociopath or psychopath. That is not Jehovah's way of wisdom. And when embracing Yehovah's wisdom from above, it is certainly not disappointing. It is not unstable. It is not to be doubted. It is not to be mistrusted and or disappointing unto us, nor are we to be embarrassed or to feel as if we have been made to feel that we have been taken for a ride by some slick religious teaching or slick religious teachers, leading us to doubts that we are believing in the right thing and doing the right thing. And therefore, there are many out there who are very quick to call this huge movement that we are involved in as a nation of Goyam and idolaters, and essentially empty heads for believing all of this stuff that we believe. The implication appears clear to me. As Yeshua said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Or as Paul said in Romans 10, verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And I do believe this. We will not be put to shame. Yes, I know it feels that way, that we go through life asking questions such as, why is he allowing this? Or why does he allow that? Or how come this is happening to them or to me or to all of us? What's going on here? That's not God's love. And we come to feel embarrassed and shamed that somehow we are going to be let down. Well, that is simply not the case. Now, I would like to take you over to Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. This is actually something that I would read to my daughter when she was just a very little girl, just before putting her to bed. I would say, Trust in Yehovah with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Don't be clever, cunning, shrewd, smart, brilliant, or so overly confident of your own wisdom in your own eyes, because if we do that and we come to Jehovah thinking that we are clothed with so much of this wisdom that he's just going to be very impressed with us. No, I don't think so. I don't think he's going to be impressed at all. He says, don't be this way. Rather, fear Yehovah, and depart from evil. Meaning, don't look to yourself as though you have some great intensive power of wisdom that you can draw upon from your own self, or even from the many, many counselors that many of us would love to go to, seeking all of their wisdom below. It doesn't work that way. I don't think so. Jehovah has made it clear where we are to go to gain wisdom. And so Yaakov or James picks up on this in James or Yaakov 3, 13 through 14, who is wise and understanding among you. And the question then is answered, let him show by good conduct or good actions that his works or his actions or his behaviors are done in the meekness of wisdom, giving us the idea that wisdom from above is indeed meek and humble. It doesn't go around announcing to everybody how smart you are or how smart and intelligent and full of great understanding this or that person is. No, it doesn't do that. It gives honor to the one who gives us this gift of the meekness or humility of wisdom. So Yaakov goes on to say, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. That bitter envy is the idea in Hebrew of having bitter jealousy towards wanting to acquire that a person has something that you don't have and that you are going to go after it and seek for it because you don't have it. And I will tell each of you, even as I have told myself many times, whatever gifts Jehovah gives to us, those are the gifts that we are to cultivate and we are to grow them. But do not say to Yehovah, well, I'm just really disappointed in you that you haven't given me such and such a gift like the other person I know over here. Well, I got to tell you something. You just need to be content with what he has given you because in the body of Messiah, we all are working together. Every person in the body of Messiah amongst all of us who are of the redeemed character, and nature in Yeshua. We all have something to bring to the table. I have my gifts, you have yours, that person over there has theirs, and we work together as a community, and that is how the system is set up. So it's not, well, they have more than I do, or I have more than they do. You have what you have, because Jehovah has given that to you. So if you're battling with things like, well, I just want to have what that person has, or I just don't have enough, or you start murmuring and complaining that you just don't seem to have enough of anything that you want, because everybody else out there has got more than you, I encourage you just to relax, cool your jets, and just be content with what you have been given emotionally and also spiritually. Just relax; it's okay. Jehovah is in control. He knows what He wants to give you, and what He wants to give me, and what He wants to give others. And so, on this matter, we can understand Shaul or Paul when he said in Philippians four eleven through twelve. But I rejoiced in the Master Yehovah greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you certainly did care, but you lacked opportunity. And then he goes on to say, but it's not that I speak in regards to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. He says, I know how to be abased, which is the idea of knowing how to be humble, and I know how to abound, which is the idea of living in prosperity. And in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he goes on to say, but I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. And I would understand this to mean that I can get through stuff in life with Messiah who strengthens me. And so for any gifts that you have, I say, bring it to the table and use it for the unity and strength of the body of Messiah. Otherwise, you are seeking something that does not belong to you, and you are boasting that somehow you're going to be able to acquire it and even pay for it by money this reminds me of a narrative story that is redacted for us in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 14 and following. Now, when the sent ones or the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Shomron or Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Kepha and Yohanan. Now, read this in Acts eight eighteen. When Shimon or Simon saw the laying on of the apostles' hands, those who were sent to do this job, it says he offered them money. There's the acquiring idea for the English word envy, which is represented by the Hebrew term liknot, that is to acquire by buying something or paying for it because you want to consider yourself worthy of receiving that thing. So Shimon is trying to acquire that gift, and he offers them some money, some silver. And he says in 8.19, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Ruach HaKodesh. And Kepha responds and says, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of Elohim, or God. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. And this being said, it leads me to the narrative that is recorded for us in John 21, verses 20 through 22. This was after Yeshua's resurrection when he appears to all of his disciples and his students. Peter, Kepha, turns around and saw the disciple whom Yeshua loved following. This was the same one in. uh, John 13, who had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Master, who was the one who betrays you? Well, Kepha, seeing this man, he inquires and he says, But master, what about this man? And Yeshua's response was so to the point. He says, If I will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? follow me. And that is the statement that I believe each of us should be paying attention to. Follow me. That's what Yeshua said. And so, Yaakov, or James 1, 5 through 8, reminds us of this idea. And he says in those words, if any of you lacks wisdom, presumably because you don't have wisdom and you're trying to figure out what to do in a particular matter, then the answer to you is, let him or her ask of Elohim, or God, who gives to all liberally. He just gives it to you and without reproach. He doesn't look at you and say, why are you bothering me about giving you wisdom? Shame on you. Stop bothering me. Leave me alone. I don't want to give you any wisdom. You're not worthy of it anyway. You see, that's the way we oftentimes think, but that's just not true. He wants to give to all of us the wisdom from above, and he is not going to give it to us with reproach and beat you up and bully you and say, just stop bothering me by asking for wisdom. Go figure it out. He doesn't do that. But then Yaakov goes on to say, but let him ask in trusting faith. That is, in making a faithful copy of what you're seeing in the commands and the teachings of Yeshua. Just walk in those teachings and that wisdom will be given to you. For he says, and do this in faith or trust with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from God. Yehovah, the Master, because he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This idea here in James or Yaakov one five through eight is built on the Hebrew term bosh or bushah, which is coming to us from Genesis chapter two verse twenty-five, when Adam and Eve were uncovered naked and totally standing in front of Jehovah with their gifts of given wisdom, understanding, knowledge, insight, shrewdness, being cunning, being crafty. Yeah, they had all that same stuff that the serpent had. Go back and listen to the previous podcasts that I've done on this. They had the same stuff that he had, but... Their nakedness and their craftiness, both coming from the same Hebrew root, all of that was given by Jehovah unto them. Whereas the serpent did not receive it from Jehovah. He cultivated his own brand of wisdom below. And that's the stuff that he peddles on every one of us who do not want nor do we even consider going above and asking for Jehovah's wisdom. The serpent below has lots of takers, lots of people who will stand in line waiting for the wisdom that comes from him, which is a wisdom that is earthly, natural, and from the spirit world below. It is not Jehovah's wisdom that he's giving. It's his own stuff, and he's peddling it. And this is what Sha'ul, or Paul, says in Philippians three seventeen through 21 Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern, or in Hebrew, a tavnit. That's like how the temple or tabernacle was built, with that same kind of blueprint or pattern. And then he says, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, they are enemies of the execution stake or the execution crucifixion tree of Messiah. They're enemies of that. That is, I think they are self-seeking in their understanding of everything to build themselves up, to make themselves feel important in the eyes of others. And Shaul says in Philippians 3.19 that their end is destruction, whose God is their belly, because they eat that stuff, and whose glory is in their shame. That is Paul's reference to this whole thing going back to Genesis 2.25 and Genesis 3.1, who set their mind on earthly things. That is the earthly wisdom from below, not from above. Then he compares that and he says for our citizenship, that is we come from heaven. That's what we've been born into. We have been born into the kingdom of heaven on the inner man from which we also eagerly wait for the savior the Master Yeshua HaMashiach, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body because of the resurrection, and it's according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. He was 100% correct in this because there are two redemptions and two repairs, so to speak, The first one is on the inner man, and we've already received that by faith. Now we're waiting for the second one, and that is the last day resurrection that's going to change our outside, and we are truly going to be born from above and enter into that new life, that new eternal life, just like a newborn baby. We're going to come into that new world And we are going to understand all these things that Jehovah has been trying to tell us. But he says, eye is not seen and ear is not heard. All these things that he has for those who accept him and believe him and who are called according to his purpose. So in defining biblical love, which is our infused model of divine love, From the kingdom of heaven above, we know that the giving and receiving of true love is a kind of love that freely presents itself as we walk in Jehovah's wisdom from above and not in the serpent's wisdom from below, which is man-made earthly wisdom invented in his mind and then peddled on to all of those that are standing in line, ready and willing to receive it. Because that stuff from below is never going to lead to the resurrection of the third day for us and eternal life. It's just not going to lead to that. So stop seeking after the wisdom from below. It's just a waste of time. Go for the wisdom from above. Now, the giving and receiving of love is, of course, expressed quite differently from person to person. To understand how the time-honored rules of love work for the giving and receiving of love, it is important, I think, that we take a look at two aspects of this subject. The two aspects are a love only for yourself And two, a love only for others. Now, a love for yourself is actually not a bad thing unless, and this is the operative word, unless it crosses over into what is known as narcissism or to be a narcissist, a psychopath, or a sociopath. Now, I've heard a number of people throughout my years Describe certain other people as a narcissist, and uh, you know it may in fact be true. I, I don't know, but what I do know it is a very very serious personality disorder. This idea of being a narcissist, narcissism is understood as a mental condition in which some people have a highly inflated sense of their own importance a deep need for excessive attention and excessive admiration, and even a lack of empathy for others. They look at themselves in the mirror and they say, wow, you're really something. Among psychologists and psychiatrists, and as it is described in what is called the DSM, which is the Manual of Disorders for Psychologists and Psychiatrists, This idea of narcissism is referred to as NPD, which is called Narcissistic Personality Disorder. Now I would say that this disorder is one extreme on the scale of love for yourself, because it really is all about a love only for yourself. Conversely, an extreme to narcissism would be that of what is called an empath. Now, I'm going to take a short break here, and we'll come back after the break, and I want to get into this next statement that Paul was talking about, that true love does not in fact seek its own. Okay? Stay with us. This is Avi ben Mordechai, and this is Real Israel Talk Radio. You're listening to Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, Program 21, Episode 77. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Once again, here's your host, Avi ben Mordechai. Okay, we're back. And thanks for joining us. This is Avi ben Mordechai, and you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio. So let's continue where we left off here before the break. We're getting into First 1 Corinthians 13.5 and Shaul's statement that true love does not seek its own. Again, building on the principle that true biblical love is infused into us as a divine model from the kingdom of heaven. It is put into us, and then in receiving that, we turn it around and send it back out to understand how the time-honored rules of love work for the giving and receiving of love, it is important, I think, that we take a look at two aspects of this subject. The two aspects are as follows, a love only for yourself, and two, a love only for others. Some people have a highly inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and excessive admiration, and even a lack of empathy for others. This disorder is one extreme on the scale of love for yourself, because it really is all about a love only for yourself. Conversely, an extreme would be that of what is called an empath. This is often expressed by people who are intensely deep-feeling and overly sensitive towards all the feelings of others. Empaths will often give and give and give and give so much that they end up taking on all the pain of others to the point that the pain is very, very real to them. And it is actually physically felt in the body. There are people who just so deeply get connected to the pain and the feeling of others that they completely lose themselves in what they're feeling. One of the things that I will address on a future podcast in greater detail is that of setting boundaries. Now, boundaries are a real struggle for empaths. And if you are someone always giving and giving and just seems to always have this depth of taking on the pain and the feelings of others, oftentimes you are going to battle with boundary setting. It is a struggle for empaths because they always want to please others and not disappoint anyone. And if this is describing you, no one's judging you for it. It's something that you need to work on and deal with it, and you probably already know it anyway, but you have to work on your boundaries, and Jehovah will help you do that. The sad side to this is that an empath can be taken advantage of by people who are deeply manipulative, who thrive on manipulating others or controlling others. There is a term we use today. It's called a control freak. And there are many kinds of people like that. And I'm sure maybe you can even name a few of them, or at least you have known people like that in your life. In brief, empaths and narcissists. They might actually attract each other because narcissists see someone that they can use, control, and manipulate, and empaths see someone that they can help to fix and solve all their problems. But the purpose of my bringing this up here on this program is not to go into any detail on these matters. It's just to simply point out a love only for yourself and a love only for others, but there is yet a third type of love that we should come to understand and embrace and to receive. And that is a love that Jehovah has for us. I'll say it again. It is a love that Jehovah has for us. It is expressed through an authentic giving out of a love towards others in such a way that it puts their needs first and our needs second. So this is not about going around pleasing everybody and never wanting to disappoint anybody. No, that's not the kind of love that Jehovah is doing, and that's not the kind of love that we are taught to have. Nor are we to say, well, I have such a deep, Love for myself, because both of these are extremes on this scale of how to define love. Again, the type of love that we're looking for is a love that receives what Jehovah wants to give to us, to be content in all that he wants to give to us. That is the true biblical love that we're after. And therefore, it is expressed again, through that authentic idea of giving out love towards others. But as I said, it does so in such a way that it puts the person's needs first, and then we come second. And on a future podcast, I'm going to be addressing this in greater detail as it relates to a husband and a wife, male and female. And from this, I will build my lessons based on Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, where it is written that Jehovah speaks to the woman and says to her, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Well, I'll tell you right now, that is not the correct way to understand that passage. It's just wrong. The translation of the Hebrew to the English in that way is doing a great disservice to a lot of women and to a lot of men. And at a future podcast, I'm going to be addressing this particular subject in Genesis 3.16. But for now, I can't go there because I've got this that I'm trying to deal with here. Now, Paul was very strongly focused on something important in regards to a love that we live for others, not in order to please them or to be men pleasers, but rather to be pleasing to our Father in heaven. The love that Paul was talking about is based on Philippians 2 1 through 4. He says, If there is any consolation in Messiah, if there is any comfort of love, that's an idea from Isaiah chapter 40. If there is any fellowship of the spirit or fellowship of the ruach, the unity of the spirit, if there is any affection and mercy, he says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love of one mind. This is the idea of unity. Note that I did not say this is the idea of uniformity. That's a different idea. This is not about uniformity where everyone is wearing the same uniform and we had better be on the same page together, understanding Scripture in exactly the same way, one to another. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, that we are of one mind and we are unified in Messiah, even if we have differing opinions. So he says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. If you're being led by some kind of personal ambitions to control or to manipulate or to be known or to be loved or to be... uh really, really important in the eyes of a number of different people out there, then you are not in fellowship with this one mind of the Spirit of Jehovah, because you're just way too busy looking to fulfill your own needs, and I don't want to see you cross the line into being a narcissist. And you don't have to go in to be a man-pleaser, which is essentially looking to be an empath, you don't need to do that either. You just receive Yehovah's love for you, and therefore you will not have selfish ambition or conceit. So nothing that you do is to be based on selfish ambition or conceit. Rather, everything you do, everything you say, all that you communicate with, and all that you are relating to, one to another, all that should be done with a lowliness of mind. The Hebrew term for this idea is dal. Anybody who's ever been to Israel, if you've ever gone to the archaeological site called Gamala up in the Golan, there's a deep ravine and canyon right next to Gamla. It's called Daliot, and this is because it's from the root Dal. It doesn't mean that you allow people to walk all over you. That's not what dal refers to. That somehow having a lowliness or humility of mind, that is dal, that somehow this has to mean that I am obligated to let people just walk all over me. No, that's not what dal refers to. It's talking about like a low, hanging branch or like dropping down a bucket of water down a deep, deep well. It's lowliness of mind. It's saying, I am not the important one here. You are. You're important. And I am here to see what I can do for you. I've met a number of people like that because that is really a true spirit of love. How so? Because in this passage that Paul is speaking, he is saying to let each of us esteem others better than himself. And again, that does not mean I'm giving you permission to walk all over me and to treat me as dung or to bully me or to have someone bully you with their words. That's not what this is referring to. This is esteem calling for another person to be higher than you. You are lower than them because you are serving them. Now, if every one of us had that same attitude, wow, we would really, really have an incredible body of Messiah all around us. But we don't because we have to fight the flesh. And the flesh always wants to elevate itself. So Shaul says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Therefore, as Yeshua said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of Elohim, in the kingdom of God, learn to be a servant of all. So Paul was certainly dialed into that idea. He writes in Galatians 5, 22 through 26, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Again, that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the way Jehovah is towards us. Therefore, when we receive the Spirit, We are, in fact, receiving all of that kind of love towards us. He's giving that to us to be stewards of that stuff. And then we turn around and take that fruit and give it to others that they too can eat from that same fruit that we're eating from. So Paul says, against such as what this love is all about, he says, there is no law. There's no more instruction. Just do that and you're doing well. And then he says, Those who belong to Messiah have crucified the flesh with its passions and its lusts or desires. The Hebrew word, therefore, the desire is that of the lust that we possess in the flesh. And it's actually mentioned in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, that is the desire of the flesh, which is the same idea That's mentioned in the book of Exodus when the Israelites were taking the quail, the meat that was given to them for food, and they were just lusting after that quail food in the wilderness. That's that idea of lust. So all that is in the world, the lust of your flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, he says that that's not of the Father, but that's of the world. And the world is passing away, and all that lust that's connected to the world, it's just going to go bye-bye. It will not exist anymore in the end of the days. So he says, he who does the will of Ha Elohim, or the will of God, abides forever, because his desire is to give you a part of himself, which is that of learning how to love. So all of these lessons are essentially a second-floor construction that is built on the foundation of Leviticus or Vayikra 19 verse 18, which is exactly what Yeshua repeated in Matthew or Matityahu 22, 36 through 40. There is a brilliant scribe who comes to Yeshua, he snags him for a moment, and he asks him a question. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law, the Torah. Yeshua responded to him, and here's what he says. You shall love Yehovah your Elohim with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything hangs on those two. However, what I want to point out to you from my earlier episodes in this uh, podcast series, that's episodes two and three, I explained to you that in my view, Leviticus 19.18, is not about loving yourself first so that you can then love your neighbor. People talk about it all the time. We get this kind of condemnation that we put on ourselves and others also put it on us. They say, well, if you don't love your neighbor, it must mean that you just don't love yourself. So you got to love yourself. And then if you love yourself... Why, then you can love your neighbor. So we're all kind of going on this proverbial chase after the rabbit, and we're all looking to try to love ourselves, and then maybe, oh, maybe we'll be able to love another, but we got to love ourselves first. And I got to tell you, it's just backwards. Again, go back to my episodes, parts two and three, in this podcast series, go listen to them again if you haven't done so already. Leviticus 19.18 is not about loving yourself first so that you can love your neighbor. Rather, as I read the statement in Hebrew, Here is how I would understand Leviticus 19.18. I am your source of love to or towards your neighbor as like to or similar unto you. Again, I am your source of love to or towards your neighbor as or like to or similar unto you. It's not saying love your neighbor as yourself, as though you have to first love yourself and then you can love your neighbor. No, it's not saying that. It's saying first receive the fact that Jehovah has and is love toward your neighbor, because it's the same love that he has unto you. And this is the lesson from 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. And it follows with the principle that the name Ehyeh, Asher Ehyeh, that is the name of Yehovah from Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. His name takes in and encompasses past, present, and future. And so it needs to be applied in this statement for everything that we're trying to learn and understand here. And this is exactly what I think Yeshua was getting at when he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9 as it is recorded in Matthew 22:36 through 40. However, Yeshua's response was so to the point. You are being loved with Jehovah your Elohim in all your heart, in all your soul, and in all your mind. So essentially we could say, you have been loved, you are being loved, and you will be loved with Jehovah your Elohim, in all your heart, in all your soul, and in all your mind. So Yeshua says... This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. And then he goes on with the statement, Leviticus or Vayikra 19.18, Because I am your source of love to or towards your neighbor as like unto you. Again, let me repeat that. Because I am your source of love to or towards your neighbor as like unto you. That's how I would understand it from Hebrew to English. There's a causal relationship to what that says with what came before it. That this love that Jehovah has towards your neighbor, that same love is also like unto you. And then he goes on to say, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So, in defining biblical love, which is our infused model of divine love from the kingdom of heaven above, we know that the giving and receiving of true love is a kind of love that freely presents itself as we walk in Jehovah's wisdom from above. Shaul's statement that true love does not seek its own. Again, building on the principle that true biblical love is infused into us as a divine model from the kingdom of heaven. It is put into us, and then in receiving that, we turn it around and send it back out. Now, with all this said, i got to come to an end on this program. Yeah, I'm kind of running out of time here, but we're going to continue where we left off on the next podcast, and we'll continue and talk about this love principle in 1 Corinthians 13.5. If you have any questions or comments and you want to address them to me, feel free to do so. The website is cominghome.co.il. Again, coming home, it's one word, cominghome.co.il and you can order materials from that website. Sometimes I'll put an article or two up there for you to read and to think about. Okay? So uh, go ahead and uh, take that information down. In the meantime, go in Jehovah's love. Go show love to your neighbor even as you have received the love from him. That's your mandate, so go do it. Y'all willing, I'll see you again on the next podcast, and we'll continue where we left off here. I'm Avi ben Mordechai, and this is Real Israel Talk Radio. Shalom.